Man, tonight is all about the love of God. The theme for this week and for the next couple weeks is live moss. And the theme verse is John 10.10, and it says, The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy our lives, but God Almighty has come to give us life and life that is abundant. Amen? God wants us to have more out of this life. And I'm gonna, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to go ahead and start preaching. Are y'all ready for God's word? Come on, y'all. See, I've come tonight to tell somebody that we serve a God who offers second chances to those who make mistakes. Come on, y'all. Who's glad for second chances in the house tonight? We serve the God of second chances. And I was studying, as I was studying for tonight, and what God wanted to, he placed it on my heart of what he wanted me to communicate. Tonight, I, I promise you, if you will give me the next five minutes with your undivided attention, putting your cell phone down, not talking to your neighbor, I promise you, I'm going to keep you engaged and tell you the truth in love that's going to transform things. If you will give me just five minutes, I promise if you give me five minutes, you'll want to give me the next 15, and then God's going to do something through his word. As I was studying for tonight's word, God made it so clear to me that the way things are communicated tonight are just as important as what is actually communicated. What do you mean by that? Because Jesus, I've, I've come tonight to tell somebody the important thing is Jesus loves the broken. Jesus loves the imperfect. Jesus loves those who make mistakes. He can't associate with sin because he's a holy God. But I'm telling you tonight that Jesus loves the sinner. He may not be able to associate and connect with sin because he's perfect and he's holy, but he loves the sinner. That's somewhere, somebody should be happy about that tonight. The story I'm going to preach about comes in this context. I'm going to show you a verse that shows us the context, and that means the, the framework of, of what the story is being told is supposed to communicate. And it says in Luke chapter 15, it says tax collectors, which everybody hated tax collectors. And listen to this, and other notorious sinners. Like these were not good people. Notorious sinners. This is the cool part. They often came to listen to Jesus. My God. The, the hated people. The worst of the worst. They were the ones who came to listen to Jesus. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that Jesus was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And, and here's what happens. Jesus, after that verse, Jesus begins to tell a couple stories. And he, he tells his story of this, this woman who has this collection of valuable coins. And, and she loses one of the coins. And, and the story goes, she goes through her house and turns over her house, just destroys everything in her house in search for this one lost coin. And it says that as soon as she found what was lost, she told her neighbor, she's like, y'all got to come. We're about to celebrate. It's time to party because what was lost is now found. And Jesus tonight is saying, we are that coin. And then he shared a story about a shepherd who is tending to a flock of 100 sheep. And at being a good shepherd, he's kept strategic count of each and every one. He knows them by name. He knows what they look like. He knows 
their temperament. And just like us in this room, he knows every single person in this room. And the story goes on, and the shepherd recognizes that there's only 99. And so what does this good shepherd do? But he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And Jesus tonight is wanting to communicate to you and to me, my God, we're that one. If we are the notorious sinners in the room, man, Jesus is after us because he loves us. And that's the context. Jesus is setting his audience up to realize that God loves the person headed in the wrong direction. That's good news tonight, real life. There's a special value that Jesus is placing on the soul who is most in need of a Savior. God goes after that because he loves them unconditionally. I hope tonight, real life, we can realize that Jesus Christ is the only person who is not desperately in need of a second chance. Jesus Christ is the only flawless one. He's the only one who has been tempted in every way but has withstood the test of temptation and been holy, righteous, and sinless before God. He's the only person who's ever walked the face of this planet who doesn't desperately need a second chance. See, real life, I've come to say I need a second chance. Your pastor has needed a second chance time and time again. I was in high school, I'll just be real, I was a nominal Christian, and what that means is I was a Christian in name only. I said, yes, sir, I'll take salvation because I don't want to go to hell. But... I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And by, by my sophomore year of high school, I had close friends, and they said, man, I, I believe in Jesus, but we were nominal Christians. And what happened is in between my sophomore and junior year, my best friend went to this summer camp. He got tricked to go to a, a summer camp, and we're about to start talking to you guys about what God can do through a week-long experience where you get yourself into the presence of God at summer camp. And my, my best friend spent all week long, and man, his life was revolutionized. He gave his heart to Jesus. He was set free from alcoholism. He was set free from sexual bondage. And man, he came back with a fire in his heart and a passion and my best friend looked at me, and it was so convicting because he looked at me and he said, Jonathan, you have known about this your whole life. Why don't you start living it? And it rocked me to the core. It, it convicted my heart because I knew in that moment I was a man in need of a second chance because I wasn't living the way I needed to live, the way I knew I should live. And I needed a second chance. Y'all, I needed a second chance with with Jubilee early on in our relationship your boy left her we had a double date scheduled with her best friend and her, her best friend's boyfriend and we were going to see Christmas lights it was Christmas time it was romantic right yeah can y'all believe that I didn't have the common sense to get to that date no matter what it took uh, unfortunately, I needed a second chance because I bought into my ex-girlfriend calling me up saying, I need some closure. And I made Jubilee be a third wheel because I went and spent time talking with my ex-girlfriend to get some closure. 
Huh, you know, yeah, seriously. I needed a second chance. And if it weren't for her best friend saying, give the guy a chance. Man, 14 years of marriage, babies, thank you so much, wherever you're at, for not giving up on me. Thank you. Because I desperately needed a second chance. And you better believe that hasn't been the first time. I've needed a second chance more than once, a third chance, fourth chance, because my wife is incredible. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to communicate tonight is life is full of second chances. Can y'all believe it? My junior year, I failed two classes, Spanish two, no, yo no say, yo no say, yo no say. That was my phrase in Spanish, yo no say, I don't know. Spanish 2 and Algebra 2, that was just because I was a slacker. Come on, y'all. Algebra 2 is not hard. And my senior year comes along, and my, my basketball coach, he, he pulls me into the office when my senior year starts. I spent all summer long playing with summer leagues and doing awesome. I was growing as an athlete. Man, I was excelling. I was doing great. I was going to start. And my coach pulls me in at the beginning of my senior year and said, you are such a knucklehead you realize you failed two classes, you're ineligible. Why were you not in summer school? Your first semester, your senior year, you're not going to be able to play. Why should I not just go ahead and cut you and get somebody else to be on this team? And you better believe I begged him. I said, Coach, give me a second chance. And fortunately, he gave me a second chance that I was able to come back and contribute. But I missed my whole first semester. Guys, my first official GPA in college was not a 1.75. It was a 0.75. Can somebody say I needed a second chance because what what did I do? I skipped I skipped I skipped class and I did absolutely nothing academic in college. My freshman year. Seniors class of 2017 do not follow my example. There's this thing called the Hope Scholarship that you will quickly lose if you do that. And I needed a second chance. So here's what I did. Listen, I worked hard. I learned to apply myself, and guess what? Your boy graduated with a 3.44 GPA. Hallelujah. All glory be to God and my wife. <laughs> Can I tell you tonight that my success was based on my second chance? If I didn't get a second chance, I wouldn't have been successful. In the past, I've been a liar. Can I just be honest? I've lied. In the past, I have, I have said things that were just a bold-faced lie to people that I love dearly. But God gave me the second chance to speak the truth in love. Man, I've been selfish. Man, I have been one of the most selfish individuals on the face of this planet at times. But God has given me a second chance to live for others. Man, I've hurt people that I love by choices that I've made, but God gave me a second chance. God's restored relationships that I've caused hurt and pain in because of the second chance. How many are grateful for second chances in the room? 
I'm t- tonight I'm, I'm wanting to clearly communicate that the only reason I'm able to preach and be your pastor is because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace God has given me. He's given me a second chance time after time after time, and he gives us a second chance to live more tonight. Someone in this room needs to hear this. Listen, don't, don't check out. Failure or making mistakes does not disqualify you in the kingdom of God. Somebody needs to see that up on the screen quick because failure or making mistakes does not disqualify you in the kingdom of God. If messing up disqualified you, then guess what? We'd all be disqualified because every single one of us has failed. Romans 3.23 makes it very clear that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the very next verse is powerful. It says this, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. This tells me that if the most hated people in society who were tax collectors and the notorious of all sinners were coming to listen to Jesus, this tells me that Jesus is not telling this story in condemnation. He's not communicating what we're about to read in God's word in a, in a condescending, judgmental tone of voice. I picture him with a bunch of people who are far from God saying, God, guys, guys, listen to this amazing news. I've got, I've got something to explain to you. If your life is a mess, this story's for you. Jesus is probably enthusiastically saying, if you're a wreck on the inside, unfulfilled and searching for something different out of this life, I know what you need and this story's for you. I can imagine, let's put it into our context, in our youth culture, if, if you're the one selling or supplying drugs in a church parking lot, this story's for you tonight. He's saying to the most notorious of sinners, guess what guys, my wife, Before she met Jesus Christ, she would go to hotel parties and roll weed with the Word of God because she had no conviction. And you better believe if my God can give her a second chance, redeem her soul, give her conviction, and make her a Bible teacher and a, a, a director of a school of ministry, transforming her life completely, He can do the exact same thing for you. He's the God of second chances. If you're the one who's a compulsive liar, able to live a double life and con your way out of second sticky situations like, man, y'all can get your way out of anything, right? Jesus is like, hey, guess what? This one's for you guys. It's, uh, you, you're going to like this. It's going to help you. I can imagine him saying, if you're the one cheating your way through school, plagiarizing other people's work, this story's for you. I can imagine him saying, to the person in the room, and I think there's multiple people in this room, listen closely, if your parents are purchasing weed and alcohol for you and partying with you, and you're beyond confused of which voice to follow, tonight Jesus is saying this story is for you. It's for you. He's saying to the one who seduced that other person and robbed them of their purity, and now that person is a completely different person because their spirit has been altered by their sexual activity, and you're so full of guilt and shame because you ruined somebody. This story, Jesus is saying, hey, guys, guess what? Pull close because this one's for you. It's real good. You want to hear it. And last but not least, man, if you're the religious I've been in church all my life, 
the self-righteous who, who says, hey, guess what, pastor, I've never done anything bad, and I'm always going to look at somebody who's done things that I'm unwilling to do with a negative lens. Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? The Pharisees that are all uptight and upset saying, man, how dare he hang out with the tax collectors? How dare he focus in on the notorious sinners? Jesus is saying, guess what, guys? This story tonight is for you. I've come to encourage someone tonight to don't allow the frustration of the religious to keep you from realizing that Jesus loves those who are in need of a second chance. Don't allow the frustration that comes, man, when you feel like you're being judged, walking down the hallway of your school by the super Christian who's wearing their cross and, and not willing to associate themselves with you. Don't allow the frustration of the religious to keep you from realizing that Jesus loves those who are in need of second chances. Jesus was not judging his audience. He was trying to convince them to live more. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He came to seek and save that which is lost, the broken and the imperfect. Hear the words of Jesus tonight, and here's the story in Luke chapter 15. Jesus told them this story. It says, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now. My inheritance now. I'm supposed to wait till you're dead, but I want it now before you're dead. So his father agreed to give and divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, and there, he wasted all of his money on wild living. And about that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Man, it was a mess. That's why this stage is messy right now. He, his life was trashed. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked appealing to him. It looked good. He was that hungry. He was that desperate. But no one would give him anything. This young person gives us a lot to think about tonight. He asks his dad for his inheritance early. He does what he wants with it. And then he finds himself in a difficult place. The first lesson I believe God wants to show us tonight from this young man's story is that chasing things that only satisfy you in the moment will eventually cause you to settle for a life God never intended for you. If you chase things that only satisfy you in the moment, it will eventually cause you to settle for a life that God never intended for you. This young man had a future in place, but he lacked the vision to see it. He had an inheritance that was gonna set him up for life, but he couldn't see past the right here and right now. His family was setting him up for success, and he chose to give that up. I think we can relate to this young person. We want the most out of life right here, right now. We're a microwave generation. We don't wanna wait. But an inheritance, I want you to recognize this, an inheritance lasts, but instant gratification runs out quick. Scripture says that sin is fun for a moment, but eventually it's going to leave you empty and wanting more. More life in Jesus gives you a future. That's what I'm hoping you realize tonight. But the counterfeit, the cheap, easy, quick fix, the counterfeit will rob you of your future. 
It will leave you empty, alone, and with the trash, with the pigs. Jesus is full of compassion, and he's painting this mental picture for all of the worst of the worst. And he's saying, guys, look at this. Guys, you've got to understand this. Don't waste your future on momentary living. Don't waste your future. Your future can be so much more if you don't waste it. That's what Jesus is saying to his audience. That's what he's saying to us. He was trying to help them realize and trying to help us realize that rejecting God's path and rejecting God's timing will remove God's favor from your life. God placed this young man in his family and set up a future for him, and he rejected it, removing the favor from his life, so he ended up in a pig pen. The guy had a future, an inheritance, and he chased something he thought would be better. And I'm wanting to help you see tonight that chasing wrong ambitions can distract us from our actual purpose and make us ineffective in walking in our purpose and in our calling. And God wants us to live more. He wants us to have a better life than that. Young people, we rush things too often, but, but somebody quoted this past week, and I love this quote. They said, don't allow your talent to take you places that your character can't keep you. If you try to rush and get into things that you're not supposed to get into, maybe a relationship is starting to get too physical, and God has designed it to be a sexual relationship is only to be within the confines of marriage. And we're trying to rush things. We're trying to get what we want in the moment because it feels right. And this is what we want right here and right now. God is saying, don't let your, your talent to get a girlfriend take you where your character can't keep you. I want to tell somebody tonight that you will always have cravings for the things that you think will bring more life. But the only one, there's only one source that will satisfy, and that source is Jesus. That's the only source that's going to not leave you empty and wanting for more. The story goes on, and he says, when he finally came to his senses, hear that tonight. When he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both God and, and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I want to tell somebody tonight, if we don't come to our senses, to the fact that there's more to life than what we're experiencing right now, we may spend the rest of our lives struggling in a pig pen. God, God wants more for you than just the... the the cheap, unnecessary things that we get involved in. Jesus was telling the story saying, guys, I don't want your life to end up like this. There was a moment when this young person's mindset changed, and that's exactly what Jesus is hoping for in us tonight. Guys, I've got friends. If, if you look at some of my friends on social media that I went to high school with that got involved in the party scene, that started drinking every weekend, that started sleeping around with as many people and as many partners as they possibly could, I can point you to, I can spend time with you in my office showing you person after person who got wrapped in, in and involved in those things and they are still in their 30s doing those exact same things, wasting their life away right now. 
They're still lonely. They're still empty. Man, one of them was a good friend of mine. And the boy has so much potential and so much talent and so much inside of him that God wants to be unleashed on this world. But he's working as a barista at Starbucks because there's free insurance and he can get high on the weekends. I hope somebody tonight will come to your senses that if you get involved in the party scene and you allow it to start consuming your life, it won't just take your weekend, it will take your future. Come to your senses now so you don't have to pay for it with your future. And this is how the story concludes, and this is where Jesus begins to, to wash the mess that this boy's life was in. The scripture says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Oh, this is so cool. And you would think, like most of us, when we get in trouble, or, or we're doing something we know we're not supposed to be doing, and we're doing it publicly, like some of us, we, we get bold with our sin, we get bold with our our outward expression because we want somebody to find out to see if somebody actually cares what we're doing and so we'll post things that we know we're not supposed to do on social media and we'll just watch and wait to see who's going to love us enough to talk to us about it and we expect that when somebody actually does come and talk to us about it it's going to be hate it's going to be condemnation it's going to be judgmental but listen to what this story concludes with it says filled with compassion the father ran to his son embraced him kissed him and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, you guys, quick, come on, start cleaning him up. He smells like pigs. We got to get some new clothes on him. Put a robe on him. Get the finest robe. Man, he, he, there's a mess in his life, but guess what? Let's start picking it up. Man, there's nothing good that looks on him. There's nothing shiny, nothing. We got to put a ring on his finger. We got to make him stand out because there's something special about my boy. So put a ring on his finger. Man, man, he's been stepping in stuff that has been hurting him. He's been stepping in mess that has just been causing his walk to struggle. So let's, let's get sandals and put it on his feet. He says, man, there is a... a fatted calf we've been saving for a big party but go and get it and slaughter it because we are about to celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life he was lost but now he's found so let the party begin he's, what, what God what Jesus was saying to this group of notorious sinners these, these people who were in desperate need of a second chance he was telling them if you will just come to your senses man I'm going to give you more out of life I'm going to invite the band to come and I want to invite everyone to stand to your feet right now in this moment Tonight I've come with no distraction, nobody talking right now. I've come to encourage somebody and tell you tonight that guilt and shame will make you forget who you really are. Guilt and shame will make you forget who you really are. Some of us have forgotten who our Father in heaven is because we're guilty, we're ashamed of the things that we've done. And, and like this young man, instead of knowing who we've been created to be, we've decided to sell out and do something that we know is not our calling. Man, that's not 
the way God intended my life to go. Guilt and shame is causing you to forget who you really are. And tonight I'm hoping God is helping you to come to your senses. I've come to remind someone tonight who they are in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of your sin. You may be in need of a second chance tonight. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in need of a second chance, you are a child of God. If you're in need of a second chance, you are God's desire. If you're in need of a second chance, you're the object of his affection. If you're in need of a second chance, when he was being crucified on the cross for your sins, he was interceding, and he literally said, God, Father, forgive them, because they don't even realize, they don't fully understand what they're doing. This young man's mindset went from, I can't, I can do this without you, Dad, to I'm not worthy to. And I want you to see the beauty of this story. The, the awesome part that God revealed to me in this story is that we don't get to choose our value in the family of God. Our Heavenly Father holds that right. Because what happens is a lot of us, we get in our mess, we, we make some mistakes, we fall into some things, and we think, man, now I'm disqualified. Man, now I am worthless. Now I'm not even worthy to be a slave in, in the house of God. But, but guess what? God, our Heavenly Father, as soon as you make a decision, as, as soon as you realize, man, that you're not living more, and you turn from what you're doing and you go back to the house of God and say, Father, I've sinned against God and against you. Man, that's when the Father, hands of God, will open up wide and wrap his arms around you and say, I love you because you're my child. You're my son. Tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this room, no one talking, the young man came to his senses and he came home asking to be a slave. And the Father ordered all attention to be put on celebrating his new life. The Father reestablished his position and elevated his position. And the Son thought he didn't even deserve a position. Tonight in this room, if you feel like God doesn't love you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you feel like you're unworthy, guess what? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on Calvary's cross so that you could be made worthy. And right now in this moment, some of us in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you feel like you are illegitimate now because of the shame and the guilt that's in your life. You've made some choices that have ca caused you to be far from God. I'm here tonight to beg someone in this room not to, not to wager your inheritance, which is an eternity in heaven, for momentary living. Someone in this room, you're involved in some things that you know are leading you to the path of destruction. Tonight, God is trying to cause you to come to your senses and turn from those things because there's more he wants for your life. He wants more for you.